This is Donnie Tuttle, the Sell Anywhere trainer, coach, and practitioner. Welcome to the only podcast designed for the remote sales professional and the remote leader, helping you live with more joy, more freedom, and more productivity. We believe that your talent is not limited to your zip code and that you can build the life that you want while selling from anywhere. All right, with us today is uh, is someone who is a part of the uh, the family of companies that I belong to at Southwestern Consulting. And um, I'll, I'll introduce him in a second, but um, I, I wanted to let you know why I was drawn to, uh, to this uh, young man. And if you see his picture, <laughs> he looks much younger than me. And, uh, and that's just not reality. I think, I think, um, I think you're going to, you're going to find out why, but, um, Mark Brown is a world champion public speaker, uh, a keynoter, um, does all kinds of things in the world of influencing people through words. And, uh, I was drawn to, you, uh, to, to Mark one night and, um, and, uh, just, just, the guy is, uh, gosh, he, he's just, he's an artist at spinning a story. And um, I'll, I'll see if I can get him to tell one or two for you here today. But um, as you are here, and those of you who are selling from home, those of you who are leading from, from different locations, I want you to, to really embody in case and in, in the idea of story, the idea of verbally influencing others. And um, you're, you're going to love what you hear from this guy, Mark Brown. So um, anyway, without further ado, Mark, welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the Sell Anywhere podcast in front of people who really are not allowing their talent to be limited by their zip code. But uh, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Dottie. Great to be here, man. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know, um, first off, um, Personally, um, you live in the beautiful southern state of Georgia. Is that do I remember that right? That, that is correct. I live outside Macon, Georgia, in a little nondescript community called Lizella, which doesn't have any traffic lights. I'm in the country. It's nice and quiet here. It's a far cry from where I moved from. I moved to Georgia from New York State back in 2006. Before that. I, well, I was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica. Ah, that's where I, the accent is from. Well, yeah. I, pe- I tell people I bought off a guy for 200 bucks, but nobody believes me. So I say, okay. <laughs> and, and they accept that. But um, I don't know if you're, if you're all your clientele remembers an old Jamaican song by Harry Belafonte called Jamaica Farewell, where he says, uh, sad to say I'm on my way, won't be back for many a day. My heart is down, my head is turning around. I got to leave a little girl in Kingston Town. Well, I did that back in the... <laughs> yes. I did you were the first girl. person to ever sing on any of my podcasts, Mark. Well, well, with a bad cold, I'm only at 45% singing voice, but I think they get the idea. But really, back in 1980, I left a little girl in Kingston Town. Her name was Andrea. And the funny thing is her name still is Andrea. Oh. And Two years later, she became my wife, and Andrea and I have been married now for over 36 years, and we have shared a beautiful life together. We moved to Georgia in 2006, when our oldest got into law school. We have three brats, I mean kids. Uh, <laughs> our youngest, David, is 23. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia, with his wife, Bree. 
He's a singer, songwriter, musician, artist. He's an artist, drummer, actor, all of those things. His brother, Joel, is a soon to be 32. He's in uh, Maryland. He's a manager of strategic staffing in the DC public school system. And our only daughter, Andrine, is 34. She's an attorney with the Social Security Administration in Falls Church, Virginia. So my kids are in Virginia, Maryland, Georgia, and Andrea and I call a little Lizella, Georgia, our home. So Little Lizella, Georgia, outside of Macon. Yes, sir. And uh, we had this discussion. Have you found out what your minor league baseball team is called there in, in Macon, Georgia? No. You did not see. verify, Mark. <laughs> That's a good question. I did not, ch- and I should know this. I should know this. You should but, know this. But baseball isn't my sport. I so know, I, I know. Well, I, I, wanted, I want to find out about your sport a little bit later, but when, when I come through, uh, we're going to have to go to, uh, to watch the Macon Love. Ah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That is right. That's right. The making love. Yep, 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 yep. Best yep. minor league uh, <laughs> team name in the world. So, um, Mark, tell us. Uh, uh, these are we're we're talking to people who are selling from anywhere to anywhere, and um, I'm curious, um, where is your home base right now? I saw a really cool office. Um, where where are you talking to me from right now? Well, actually, I'm home at my house. And um, I'm literally in my dining room because uh, my upstairs AC unit went out. We've had horrendous temperatures here in central Georgia. And like many other homeowners, I've had some difficulty with my AC unit, but that's, that's okay. But I make my, um, my home is where I, I live, my work, of course, until I'm being called upon to travel somewhere and deliver a presentation or to try to influence an audience somewhere, which does happen quite frequently with the work that I do, so... All right. Well, talk to, talk to us about that. You've been a speaker for how long, Mark? Oh, my goodness. I gave my first professional presentation in 1995. 1995. So at this recording, that was 23 years ago. Yeah, that was the same year I won the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking over in San Diego, California. And um, it's been a long time. Yeah, over 20 years I've been doing this. And uh, it's been nothing but a pleasure and a joy. I've had various clientele ranging from middle school students to corporate executives so oh man okay so um when you become a world championship national championship speaker at toastmasters you get like a big wrestling belt or what do they do to (laughs) (laughs) you get a lucite trophy and in the 21st century you get media attention there's you know videos on youtube and if you're lucky you walk it so well you can be on cnn or CNN, BBC, who knows? You know, when I won back in 95, and I, sh- I should really give a quick background to those who are unfamiliar with Toastmasters. Toastmasters oh, please, yes, yes. It's a worldwide organization that helps individuals develop the skills of leadership and communication. We have clubs all over the world. It's probably close to 400,000 members and in 142 countries. Matter of fact, this month of August, we have our annual convention in uh, Chicago, Illinois, and I'll be attending as I have as I have for the past 25 years. I've only missed two. And I serve as the convention announcer, the voice of God, if you will, <laughs> convention every year. So I get my radio voice out, you know, welcome to Toastmasters 87th Annual Convention right here in Chicago, Illinois. I can't think. I got to use that voice, I think. <laughs> and um, part of the program is you help individuals. It's self-paced, very inexpensive. You pay a whopping annual fee of about 100 bucks. So for the cost of a nice dinner for you and your, and your loved one, you can be a member for a whole year. 
And we have speech projects where you learn skill, the art of speaking, how to use props, visual aids, how to use voice, body language, all of the above, all the dynamics involved in becoming a good, effective communicator, how to converse, how to speak off the cuff, how to do effective uh, dramatic readings, how to speak as a manager, how to deliver bad news. All of those components are encompassed in the wonderful Toastmasters program. And one piece of that is called the International Speech Contest. And every year, about 35,000 people worldwide enter this six-level contest. It takes six months to get down to the semifinals, where about 102 semifinalists gather and compete in a series of semifinals, and then 10 finalists compete for the World Championship of Public Speaking. So from 35,000 down to one champion. Back in the day, in 1995, I won that contest, and that was in the previous millennium, Ronnie, and I do have the VHS videotape. <laughs> okay? So, <laughs> but it doesn't always follow that being a world champion means you launch yourself into a career of full-time speaking. That is a, fall a fallacy that people uh, misunderstand. No, it gives you a chance, because Toastmasters speeches are only seven minutes long. Wow. You have one really good seven-minute speech you work on, you work on, and you can win four levels, but there are five levels. You must change your speech for the finals. But if you win the world title, you won with a seven-minute speech. To be a pro, they want 18, 25, 45, 60-minute speeches. So it's simply a first step in developing. If you choose to become a pro speaker, it's simply a first step. You have, that's only the beginning. You've got to really start working at it and building clientele, becoming better at what you do, reading books, going to seminars, practicing, working with mentors and coaches. And eventually, you, you develop a level of proficiency. And even though I have been doing that for the last 20 plus years, I'm continually in a learning process. Because I believe mm. when I stop learning, I stop living. Yes, 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 yes. Well, tell me, tell me this, Mark. I mean, um, going from, see, in my mind, I, I'm glad you clarified how this happened. I was thinking... Um, you know, I was getting it confused with Mad Max uh, Thunderdome. Um, so <laughs> I think, okay, so I know, I know how the champion is, is, is picked. How, like, why did you decide, Mark, that this is for me? I think I can make a go of this in my life. Um, like, why, why and, and, and what, did you, what do you love about being, you know, about, about doing what you do? My father always said, truth is a stranger than fiction. And I did not enter the Toastmasters speech contest intentionally. As a matter of fact, I only joined Toastmasters because an uncle of mine from my home country of Jamaica had come to New York years ago wearing a Toastmasters pin. I didn't know what it was. I asked him what it was. He said it was about public speaking, and I forgot about it. I went to work at Reader's Digest in my previous life as a mainframe computer programmer, and that's another story. Mm. And I found out they have a Toastmasters club at Reader's Digest. And my brain said, wait, my uncle does that. Matter of fact, my uncle, the late Justice Courtney Orr of Kingston, Jamaica, was the first Toastmaster in Jamaica. Wow. He brought the program in 84. Yeah, in 84. And I said, well, I can do that too. And I joined the club and I, 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 you know, I was highly intimidated by the, the skill of the speakers at Reader's Digest Toastmasters. But again, every year in the springtime, February or so, they had a contest. Um, and I wasn't going to, I had no plans to be in the contest. And contest day, somebody dropped out. And one of our leaders says, Mark, would you mind filling in for this guy and be a contestant? I said, sure. Didn't know what? that. <laughs> True story. Again, truth is stranger than fiction, Donnie. I said, okay, on two and a half hours notice. I won the contest, thought I was done. And I found out, no, you got an area contest club. You got to go to area. 
You gotta go to division. I keep winning. I gotta go to district. I won at district. I, I found out, oh, there's one more. I gotta go, go to a regional. What is that? Canada. Went to regional, I won again. And I found myself in 1994, a finalist in the world championships, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't win that contest, didn't place, but I met a mentor who had won the world title back in 1990. His name is David Brooks. I called him the master mentor, and he offered to help me, and I said yes. I took him, I took, I took him up on the offer. I said mm. yes. He became my mentor, and mentors are so valuable in every area of our lives. And a year later, I went through the whole six-month process again, went back to the world championships, and I became the world champion. Here's the interesting thing about mentors. The year I was competing, there were nine finalists. One winner, eight others who didn't place. Mm. I found out my friend David Brooks had made the offer of support to seven people that day. Only one took him up on it. That was me. Wow. I was the only one who said yes, and I, with his help, became a world champion. What that taught me is when you get an offer of support from a reputable, qualified source, maybe God is trying to tell you something. If somebody's offering you their expertise, take it. It can only help you to grow. If you're a salesperson and a master salesperson offers to help you, say yes. If you're in business and an executive offers to mentor you, say yes. If you are a speaker and the world champion speaker offers to help you, say yes. Say yes. If you, are, if you are a newlywed and somebody with 30 years experience offers to give you the benefit of their mistakes, say yes. Because it will change and revolutionize the way you think, the way you do what you do, the way you live your life. And eventually, hopefully, you'll get to pay it forward and you can mentor somebody else down the road. That was the journey. And David Brooks helped me. I became the world champion. I was a mainframe computer programmer. So I went from a world champion Saturday afternoon back to my desk in New York. <laughs> and um, the blessing came from the senior VP of IT at Reader's Digest, Ken Nelson. They had heard about me. I told everybody what had happened. And he heard about me. He called me one day and he asked me a strange question. He says, Mark, why do you work for me? I said, what do you mean, sir? He said, well, I've heard you speak. I know what you can do. And every day you come to work, you sit behind a desk and type computer code. That's not the best use of a resource. We've got to find a better way to use your skills. And I applaud Ken Nelson for doing that because he could have kept me. as a good program. I, I, was good. I, I did a good job. He could have kept me there and used me in his department. But he said, you know what? For us to serve him well, we've got to find the best fit for his skills and talents. Whenever you find a manager, a leader, a corporate vice president or president, somebody involved in leadership who is able to identify a skill set and make adjustments to accommodate that skill set, he or she will create a win-win. Mm. And I'm grateful for Ken Nelson to have, to have the vision to say, yeah, I need a good programmer, but the world needs a good communicator. Mm. And that led to a position being created for me with a division of Reader's Digest called QSP, a youth fundraising division. And they help young people raise money through candy sales and gift sales because school budgets are really tough these days. It's hard to find money. And they created a job whereby I traveled across North America giving talks in middle and high schools about relationships, how kids treat each other, the power of words, with a strong anti-bullying emphasis. That became my mandate. And that's when I was traveling and leave on a Monday, come back on a Friday. I'd be doing that eight, nine, 10, 12 weeks in a row. Mm. I had three kids at home in Little Mount Vernon, New York. And that was not always easy. And you know what? People think, oh man, you, where you been? 
but I've spoken to every I've spoken in every one of the lower 48 states. I did speak in Hawaii and um, Alaska, but that was just to ask for directions. And um, <laughs> but I have also spoken on five continents, uh, and I think to, at last count, my audiences have numbered maybe 1.8 million people. And I say that not to brag. I say that to say, with all of that, people would think, Mark, you've been to five continents, you've traveled, isn't it great? And I say, yes, but traveling gets old very quickly. It is not as glamorous as you think. Sometimes you want to be in your own bed and not live out of a suitcase. You want to be with your family. So and you want to true. wake up at 10 a.m. in the morning and go, oh, I'm in my bed. Let me, let me get a cup of tea here and look out the window at the deer in the backyard, which <laughs> I like to do. Right, so, yeah. right. Yeah, but that's kind of how the journey has been. That's 25 years in a nutshell, my friend. Wow. And I'm glad you said that too, Mark. Uh, a lot of people that, um, you know, that, that are listening, we get influenced by what we see out there. And sometimes the perception of all of this stuff, maybe thanks to Facebook and Instagram, uh, is that, hey, um, you know, the laptop lifestyle is, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's lollipops and, and rainbows. Yeah, well, it gets old pretty quickly, you know, because people who hear about it and don't experience it, they don't, they don't realize some simple truths like if you travel with any degree of regularity, it isn't, it isn't a matter of if, but when you'll miss your next flight. Right. It's stuck in an airport somewhere and spend overnight in either a local airport hotel or lounge outstretched on a, you know, a bench in, a, in, a, in an airport store because something went wrong. You had bad weather or a plane was delayed. They had a, you know, a mechanical difficulty. That's all part of it. You know, getting to a hotel at one in the morning to be on the platform at 7.30 because you have to drive four hours in the snow across you know, Minnesota. People don't think about those kind of things. You know, eating gourmet meals at McDonald's at 11.30 at night is <laughs> all you have. Again, people don't see that. They go, oh, you get yeah. to travel. Isn't that awesome? They don't think of the hours to fly from Atlanta to Seoul, Seoul Korea, and a, you know, a 12-hour time zone difference, and because you were delayed by a day, you know, or you lose your luggage, people don't think about those things. They see right. the glamour. But well, you know what? It's all worth it, though, for, because in the end, you touch people's lives, and that's what's worth it. That's yes, yes, yes. It. And, and, um, you know, and I would say, too, locationally, that they see the picture of whatever. I mean, we're on Jacksonville Beach right now, and so some people could say, oh, look at the pictures of the beach that Donnie's posting. And, uh, you know, the reality is, is it, it's not, like they equate uh, another location with vacation. Yes, indeed. Oh, we're in Hawaii. Isn't that awesome? No, I'm working. <laughs> I gotta work. <laughs> I still, yeah, I'm, I'm I still have to wash dishes. I yeah. still have to, right, make meals. Yeah, yeah that's true. And yeah. I, I listen, it's funny, in the Toastmasters world, Donnie, I say this with all humility, I am a celebrity. When you win a world championship, you become a celebrity in that you're a big fish in a small pond. But I know I'll go to the convention in a couple of weeks. I'll be the voice of Toastmasters. I will be seen. I'll be asked to post a photograph. I may even be asked to sign a couple of autographs. But I'm going to come back home, and guess what? On Tuesday night, I'm going to roll that trash bin down to the driveway. <laughs> I'm going to get my recyclables out there, and then I'm going to spend three hours my riding mower cutting my grass because yes. I do that. Yes. You know, and yes. it, it's, it's, just, it's life. And people often see you on the platform and they may forget you're a regular person with a family, with obligations, with concerns. I got to get my cars registered. You know, I got to pay the bills. It's, just, it's, it's life, but they see a, they see a clip. All right. I will, it's, it's not total reality. 
I love it. I want to know, um, I want to know two things. I'm going to ask them simultaneously. So I'm going to give you, it'll be the yin and the yang. All right. So (laughs) I want to know, Mark, what is it that you like, maybe, maybe what do you love or what has been your favorite moment? If there is one of those moments um, in speaking or, you know, the favorite thing that it's done for you. So that's the, that's the yin. And then the yang is going to be the other place, right? Like what is like, what's been (laughs) one of your most difficult uh, difficult times, um, you know, in you know, to live the lifestyle you live because none of us, none of us get to um, any place that we're supposed to be at without some struggle and battle. And well, so, you want full disclosure, you want full honesty, you're gonna get it. Um, <clears throat> me, in terms of high points, it's always a high point when an audience receives a message in a way you don't anticipate. I mm. was in, I was in Europe last year. And I ended up in Berlin, Germany for a, for a conference. And I gave a presentation called The Dash Between the Dates. It's about lives that we live. And I compared the dash we live to a sprinter's dash. It's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I talk about, I, I talked about my family. And just so you know, Donnie, even in the most um, executive surroundings, it's a business event, it's a conference, I always, always mention my family because my family grounds me. Yeah, And I talked about my wife and my kids in one small way, and the audience gave me a standing ovation, and I wasn't even done yet. If you are looking to perfect the art and science of selling anywhere, I've got something for you. It's at thesalesclassroom.com, and when you go to thesalesclassroom.com, you're going to find the Sell Anywhere Classroom. Now we have a free portion of that for you, which is the Sell at Home Survival Kit. And that is six video sessions and the ultimate guide and checklists of things that you need when you're selling from anywhere. That is absolutely free. And if you wanna engage with us on a deeper level, you can go over there right now and take a look at thesalesclassroom.com. It has all the best stuff from this podcast and from my life practices in selling from anywhere. We'll see you there at thesalesclassroom.com. I didn't see that coming, but it reinforced to me the power of your story, your story told honesty with authenticity and vulnerability. And, and when these moments are not singular, they happen from time to time. But when everything falls into place and the story I tell moves someone in a meaningful way, that's really powerful. But perhaps the most gratifying would have to have been back in 1995 when I was preparing to give a presentation and I got this, I had an experience, I don't want to freak anybody out, I'm not getting in a woo-woo spiritual crazy here, but I had an experience in preparation where I was trying to craft the right words to deliver this message about forgetting what is behind and pushing ahead, pressing on, you can make it for mm-hmm. my own life. Mm-hmm. And I literally heard a voice saying, that is what you must say when you get to Maryland. And I thought, are you kidding me? Who said that to me? And there was nobody there. <laughs> but true story, Donnie, I get to Maryland, I deliver the speech, I'm, I'm, I win my contest, it was a good reception, I'm getting pats on the backs, I'm getting high fives, handshakes, hugs, and a lady approaches me, about five foot eight, brown hair, maybe early 30s, and her eyes are red with tears. And she comes up to me, says, Mark, I want you to know, I want to thank you because that speech was just for me. And I said, whoa, you're the one. She said, what? I said, no, I just had, 
I, I just knew in my heart, I was, I was told I had to give this speech on this day because there was someone here who needed to hear it. And you have just identified yourself as that someone. So thank you for doing that. Beyond all the wow. beyond all the trophies, beyond the paycheck, wow. if, if I'm able to touch someone's life in a meaningful way, if I'm able to influence an influencer in a way that their life is transformed or moved forward, that's what's important. When, when the chairman of a, of a nationwide insurance company conference who hires me to talk about performance says to me afterwards, that was the best closing keynote we've ever had. Now I'm going to go home. I'm going to hug my kids and do something better tomorrow. That tells me, Donnie, I connected on a level of beyond business, beyond performance. He says, I'm going to go hug my kids. Mm. So now it, it's not about just your business, it's about your life. And for me, if I can have an impact on your life in a positive way, that's a blessing. Now, in reality, not everything goes so well in life or in work. I have had, I have had, I've lost jobs before. I've been unemployed before. I, I had, I found out, you know, I was with a company and again, I had my job created for me. I was doing well and I found out they were going to eliminate my position. So I completely lost my income. I lost pretty much everything. I went through my savings very, very quickly. Mm. And, you know, the uphill climb begins. But that's part of life. Some days you go and you leave feeling, I bombed, I died, I did not do a good job. I've had clients make plans to have, to meet, for me to do, you know, a couple of presentations, one this month and one six months down the road. And they come back and say, we're going to cancel a second program because we like we got the first time. What do you do with that? You say, okay, how could I have done it any differently? But mm. it's life. You know, to tell people you're a world champion, it's all rainbows, unicorns, and bunny rabbits is a fallacy. It's not true. <laughs> In real life, you have those tough days. Not every player is on every single game. We all have bad games and bad days. The thing is, what do you do? What do you learn from it? How do you grow from it? And how do you push forward? And mm. If I'm going to teach that and say that, I got to live that. You got to live it. I got to I mean, live Oh man, there's there's two things I want to dig into um, sure. from that. There's one where you where you basically you said something about the. Uh, I want to hear it again. The power of your story told mm. honestly and with vulnerability. And and I'm thinking, Mark, in terms of influencers, right? We have leaders, whether they're salespeople or uh, people who lead companies or lead right. teams. And you know, the reality is is that we think we have to be on an ivory tower to influence, but the reality is it's, it's, it's actually vulnerability that draws people uh, to us. Can you, can you talk to that a little bit? That, uh, and actually maybe even fix the quote that I got wrong, the power of your story told honestly with vulnerability. Well, that's fine, yes, no, yes. It has, you have, it has to be authenticity. It's authenticity and vulnerability. Okay, now look, it's easy to hear the, the story of someone's success. And one of the issues I have with, with some speakers is They'll tell you the great Neil Armstrong story. Uh, Barack Obama, the first black president. Mother Teresa, who's touched so many lives in India. We hear all these great stories. The problem is the average person you talk to can't relate to Barack Obama or Neil Armstrong or, or Mother Teresa, but they can relate to you because, in a sense, you are your audience. So if you're willing to be honest about what you've been through and share your own successes and failures, that makes you a real person. And if I hear that you had a stumble, but you recovered, it tells me, guess what? I will have a stumble as well. But if Donnie Tuttle can recover, why can't Mark Brown recover? 
So your life story, your experience in many ways mirrors mine a whole lot more than any celebrity's life does. And if, we're, if we feel we have to always show ourselves as being conquerors, as being winners, we have to assess our authenticity because nobody always has an A game. No, no batter bats a thousand. Okay, you bat <laughs> the three, three, one, and three. And the yes. truth is, you know, it, it's, it's okay in baseball. You know, it's okay in football. QBs don't have uh, how many QBs have a one hundred percent completion rate for the whole season? <laughs> it's so happen. true. But we apply that standard in business. We want the perfect CEO. We want the perfect sales manager. But nobody is perfect. We all grow through the process of what life has to offer us. The question becomes. Do we learn the lessons? Do we share our mistakes? And how do we, by doing so, help others to see that we are human? And if we can learn and grow from our own mistakes, we can teach them through what we, from what we have been through. We can shorten their learning curve and we can help them to be even better. And that's influential. But we got to think, I can't always present the image of perfection because that is a fallacy. There is no such thing as perfection. Mm. We all make mistakes. We all, we try, we honestly do our best. We believe we make the best decision. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're misinformed. We don't have all the information we need to have. Sometimes it's just a risk we take, believe we were going to make it. And sometimes we make it and sometimes we don't. But that's part of life. It's part of growth. It's part of our process. Talk to any corporate CEO, talk to any sales manager. The mistakes are wonderful tools and learning opportunities to make us even better tomorrow than we are today. But we've got to be honest about it and not try to paint ourselves as being sitting in an ivory tower in, a, in, a, in perfection. It doesn't happen. Well, and if you're and if you're willing, I love what you said there, man. If you're willing, not only can you grow from it, but others can too. That's where they identify with us at, right? Definitely. So, and, and there's one thing you said too that, oh my gosh, you said it, and and I I, I think I can identify with it a thousand times. So you speak about uh, you know multiple things. Usually, I'm speaking um, in you know I, I have a few messages, but usually I'm speaking to uh, sales teams, right? right. And yeah. there have been times where I've walked off, um, off the stage and literally what you just said <laughs> was what I thought it was. Oh my gosh, Tuttle, you're so stupid. You blew it. You sucked. You bombed it. Like all of those, all of those things. And, and I want to know, like, first off, like has, is that, is that something, I mean, it sounds like you've had that voice before. How do you deal with it? And, um, I don't know, man. Just, just talk to me a little bit about <laughs> that part of it. Real difficult, real difficult self-assessment. What could I have done differently? And because we're humans, Donnie, one of the hardest things for us to do is to push pause on life to get the job done. When I say push pause on life, you get to a location, your wife calls, um, honey, the, uh, the boiler busted up. I have no hot water and the guy can't come till next Tuesday. And by the way, the, the car overheated. Uh, I had to take an Uber and I know the money wasn't for this, but so you're there about to go on and this happens. So what do you do? You mm. do the best you can under the circumstance. Mm. So it's, and it's something that it's hard to push pause, Donnie, but that's what you have to do. And if it doesn't work out, you go back and say, okay, what went wrong? Okay. I was going through something and I allowed my life to encroach upon what I was doing. Mm. I wasn't fully present with that audience. And sometimes that's very difficult to do. 
again, now you know me, Donnie, I'm, I, I live by story because to me, story is vivid. And what I'm going to share with you right now is difficult, but it's important for your audience to hear this. When it, when it comes to distractions and being on your A game in the most difficult of times. Mm. So here it goes. Last November, my father passed away at 84, having lived a wonderful, full life. He spent one day in hospice, and it was great. He wasn't suffering, so the family was okay with that. Uh, he lived in Florida. We're going to bury my father. And <laughs> uh, the night before the funeral, we were going to bury him next to my mother, who had been there for 25 years. He bought two plots side by side. The night before the funeral, we find out at the burial cemetery, they discover there's a body in my father's plot beside my mom. Wow. Wow, indeed. It became uh, very difficult for the family to deal with that. I had to get the eulogy the following day, which I did, no problem. We had to do a commitment service in the church because we couldn't bury him. He had to go back to the funeral home, and we had to find another place in the same property to lay him to rest it's an ongoing thing right now, so it's not over, not resolved yet. But I tell you that for background because we have my family, my brother, sister, and I, and they're both in Florida. We all agreed to lay dad to rest in a particular plot on the same property. But the day they're going to lay my dad to rest was a week and a half later. A week and a half later, I was in Canada giving an inspirational speech to an audience uh, for a client. And... I was supposed to go on. Let's say I'm going to go on at 2.15 in the afternoon. At 2 o'clock, my father is being interred in Florida. And my, I couldn't, I couldn't be involved. All I could do was, right before I'm going on stage, I'm in a little room in the corner with my mobile phone, watching my brother and sister say their final goodbyes to my father on a Facebook live stream. Oh, my. And all I can think of is, I should be there there. They messed up. I should be there. My sister and my brother are there. I'm not there. And it's, here's Mark Brown talking about being your best. Welcome, Mark Brown. <laughs> this, is, this is happened to me. This happened to me this past November. I'm just being honest here, okay? This was my life. So what do I do for a client who is paying me to influence their leaders and to inspire them to be their best? In the midst of my grief, what do I do? I had to, for 45 minutes, I had to push pause. Dad, I'm sorry I'm not there, but I had to deliver for the client. And for the longest while, it was hard to talk about that day because it was painful. But I share that with honesty, with authenticity, and with my own vulnerability because it bears out a point. At times in life, you got to do what's tough. And, and, you got to push through some difficult things. And it may not have been my best presentation, but I know in that particular case what the why was. And that will bring me to my final point on this, Donnie, which is you have to assess yourself. Take some time in solitude. Okay, what went wrong? How can I fix this? The first time I felt I messed up, I immediately called a mentor and said, listen, this is what happened. I, 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 I did poorly. I don't know if they'll ever hire me again. What do I do? And my buddy Morgan was a horse doctor, a veterinarian. He said, listen, man, get back on the horse. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to get back. <laughs> get, back on, get back on the horse right again. You fall off the horse, you, you get back up. You fall, you get up and do better the next time. 
So you, you learn the lesson, you apply some changes and apply those going forward so it never happens to you again. And in life, we're all going to have missteps. The question is, did I assess myself? Did I learn from the, mis from the missteps? Was there anybody there who could be a good mentor to me, a sounding board? Is there anybody I know who could tell me what they saw I did not see? Was I unprepared? I must honestly do a self-assessment and pledge to be better tomorrow than I am today. And that applies to every area of your life. A sale didn't go down as planned. Um, somebody wanted to sever a relationship and go with somebody else. What did I do wrong? Well, find out. How can, I, how can I avoid that? How can I regain the sale a year from now? All of those things, you know, I didn't perform as well. I got a bad appraisal. How do I fix that? But it, it's, it's on me. It's on me, Donnie, to do that. And I, and I hope that my story and my perspective is helpful to your listeners today. Absolutely. I, you know, the thing I'm thinking, Mark, as, as you're saying that, and I would, I would echo that, is that um, thing, whatever the situation, whether you succeed or you fail, um, like, let, let's not see things binary. Let's not see things as good or bad. Let's not, like, if you, if you mess up, that doesn't make you bad. No. Um, and, and so that's, I think, the pain most people look away from, and they don't do the self-assess because for them to take a good, hard, honest look at it, they're like, oh, but I was bad there. And it's not about that. It's just... Right. It's just it's about it's about, I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, what it is, Donnie, um, I think I don't want to cut you off, but I, I got to say this. It's understanding just because you may have failed. That does not make you a failure. Yes. Yes. And that is what helps me to stay to stay grounded. Just because I may have failed at something at some time, that does not make me a failure. It's a marked difference. Mm -hmm. What can I learn from it and how can I be better the next time? That's how my perspective on it. Mark, so, so much I want to ask you, man, but um, I'm, I really want to hone in and, and, and um, uh, I'm thinking in terms like you're, you're going through your story just a moment ago and, you know, the power of story is to move someone, you, like you, it's almost like you created a mystery that my brain wanted to solve or you created, mm. you created a beginning <laughs> that I wanted an ending to. I'm like, oh, but what happened on stage? And so that was there. And I think that's so powerful. That's, that's how people receive information and they're going to remember it. Um, in, in, and I love the idea that you're saying that it's not about Barack Obama's story or Neil Armstrong's story. Those are great, but it's about yeah. your story. Yes. How, how, can, how can you like, help our audience? Like, to, how, would they, how do we find our own story, Mark? Uh, we, our lives are rich with stories, Donnie. When you think about it, here's a problem. And if we get this, it'll shift our thinking. We think our lives are boring. I did not climb Mount Everest <laughs> backwards, barefoot, uphill both ways. <laughs> you I did didn't? not become the first black president. I didn't do, and we think I have not done a fantastic thing because we think our lives are, are, are boring and mundane. So here's a goal that I discovered a few years ago. One man's mundane is another man's magnificent. One man's mundane is another man's magnificent. For example, people read my bio, they say, Mark Brown, he left Jamaica, he was 18 years old, came to the USA with two suitcases of clothes and $40 in his pocket, and now he's one of the best inspirational speakers in the world. They go, you left Jamaica at 18, you had 40 bucks, that's all you had? Oh, wow, it's amazing, how did you do that? Now, for me, in the moment, that was my life. That was my normal. But to somebody else, it's interesting. So think about this, your normal might be somebody's interesting. 
your mundane might be somebody's magnificent. And if you look at the seasons of your life, Donnie, your elementary, to high, your elementary years, your high school years, your college years, look at your first job experience, look at your, your marriage relationship, when you became a parent. If you look at the seasons of your life, your first job, what it was like being working for a boss, your best boss, your worst boss. When it comes to business, we have so many stories from our own experience, our vacation experience. Donnie, you're talking about your life and where you live by the beach and probably drove, maybe, maybe you drove around the country in, a, in, a, in, a, in an RV and that was your life. But there's interest there, there's stories there, there's experiences that we, we might find completely fascinating, you know. So I how think, does one take that from their, from their memory or, you know, from their, from their thoughts of normal? How do I take that? How would one take that and make it um, to where it's entrancing to others or are, are you with me? How do you, how do you take it from the place of the past to well, the place the, of the present and power? One of the, one of the first things is we have to understand we all have some things in common and in our life experience, we have, we have occasions, humorous or, or serious, dark or light that apply to almost any other circumstance other people face. So for example, you could be talking about um, leadership as a concept. And you remember, well, you know what? In high school, I was a soccer team captain. What did that teach me? And you go back to your own life. Are there lessons in life from being on a sports team? Yeah. Are there, are there lessons for leaders from being a parent? Are oh, you betcha, okay? We could talk about a high level topic like success and failure. Did you ever try out for a sports team and not make it? Yeah. Did you ever audition for a player or for a course and not make it? Did you ever try anything and not do well? Teamwork. Were you, were you a boy scout? Were you a girl scout? Were you able to play ball? Were you on the debate team? Did you ever balance friends and do something together? Were you part of a club of any kind? I mean, there's so many ways to find stories based upon all these different life themes. But mm. if we just think about it, they're there. You know, um, innovation. What did you do when you had your first car, the old bucket of boats, and it broke down, you, didn't, you couldn't afford a mechanic? What did you do? Now what do we do? We go to YouTube. We go to YouTube. <laughs> we fix stuff, okay? You be creative. You can find stories about creativity, about family, about anything from our life experience. We just have to know the stories are there. We just don't mind them. We don't, we don't dig them out. And they're there. They're there. So are, so are you suggesting then, let's just imagine that I'm a leader and I wanted to talk to my people about innovation, that it would be, um, it would, like, rather than going to the Wright brothers, it might be better to go back to the time uh, and, and, and go through my memories and say, oh, well, my brothers and I used to pull apart bikes and we created Boom. this. Like, Boom. are you telling me, is, yes. Yes. is that what we're saying? Yes, because you know what? That story will trigger the mind of somebody in the audience. Oh, yeah, I used to do that. Oh, my brother, my brother, my older brother, he would take apart a radio and put it back together. And I, I was totally amazed by that. We didn't have a lot of the games. Kids have handheld games now. No, we would take a garden hose, run it down the driveway, and race marbles. <laughs> but it worked for us. So look at that. You mentioned you and your brother taking apart bikes and putting back together. Innovation, creativity, using thinking, critical thinking skills. That's a real thing. It isn't a concept out there. It's a real thing you did when you were a kid. And here's, and here's the other lesson. Watch this. If we could be that innovative and exploratory as kids, when did we lose that? Maybe we didn't. Maybe what we need to do is go back to that and apply those principles now to our lives today. We never lost our creativity, we just put it aside. 
so, so, uh, yeah, like in th this is uh, like things are going off in my brain here, Mark. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Would it be would it be a good practice? And I always love to give tangible things to the audience. I mean, would it be a good thing to say, you know, sit, sit for an hour and come up with the stories of your past, of your childhood? You kind of gave some of those places, middle school, high school, first job, first love, innovation, um, you know, parenting, all kinds of, you know, basically, basically those phases. And then, oh, yeah. um, and then just write those stories. And is it good to also connect maybe a lesson to that or? Oh yeah, I, I say this, maintain a story file, okay? I'm gonna give you a real easy way to, 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 to find stories, okay? And here it comes. I call this my best and worst, last and first. Best and worst, last and first. For example, best uh, car, worst car. <laughs> last car, first car. Best friend, worst friend. Last friend, first friend. Who was your best friend when you were in kindergarten or first grade? What do you all do together? You begin to write that down, begin to recall the memories. Oh, yeah, the time we went out to the lake and did that and didn't tell our parents and they were freaking out, okay? You can build a story on that. What did that teach you? Just ask what I learned from it, okay? That's one thing. Uh, you know, who was your best teacher? Who was your worst teacher? Best boss? Oh, best boss, worst boss? That alone could be stories right there. Mm. Best, best job, worst job, last job, your first job. What was your first job, Donnie? What was your first job? People I up? was a bagger at Publix. Okay. Grocery Are store. You, yeah. if you, could, you could take your life as a bagger at Publix and look back at times you began to people watch. Who did you meet? What kind of characters did you meet? Who were your regular customers? What was your boss like? Who was your favorite coworker? What did you do at lunchtime? You can take that one experience of being a bagger at Kroger and you can find stories from the experience and you can use those as metaphors and examples to teach your sales staff about work ethic, staying the course. Who knows what did you find out? Character, dealing with people, personalities. You handle different people. Dealing with structure. I had to bag it properly so it wouldn't break. You know, I had to pack things certain ways. That's about structure, organization. You apply that to your life now when you're running a business. But you learned that bagging, bagging at Publix when you were a teenager. I learned about organization, bagging, groceries at Publix as a teenager. Mm, Simple. Mm, mm. And I tell you, I dare you, I dare you, Donnie, I dare you go back to that first job and try and find every lesson you can. And I guarantee you, you will have something to sh share with your sales audience. I guarantee it. If mm. you just take time to do it. So I say block some time. I call them moments of solitude and reflection. You block some time, check those things out, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at what you got. Awesome, that is strong advice. We are, we're rounding third base, uh, or I don't know what the, what the term would be in soccer, Mark. There was, <laughs> but, uh, we'll, we'll get that at time. <laughs> but but I, I definitely uh, wanna have you back on, and, and I'd really oh, love yeah. to kind of just dig in and, and talk um, in terms of what someone can do, like using, just from, from the mind of what you're saying, how can story enhance presentation? Um, you know, that would, that's a place I definitely want to go. But, um, you know, in, in, as, as we wrap up, again, with the audience in mind, uh, these are influencers, these are salespeople, these are managers, these are business owners, um, entrepreneurs uh, that are out there. Is there anything um, that you would like to, to say in encouragement um, in the going? Um, and also, can you tell us how to get in touch with you? Sure. Well, you know what, Donnie? Um, I've discovered, I've learned in the last several weeks and months, actually, that what has happened now in business is that we don't always just sell our services now. 
Now, people want to know the story of the business. And many mm. businesses now are not just saying we provide the service. They're telling their story of how the business came about or why they do what they do. Not just to sell you a widget, but mm. we because. So the corporate story has become the thing of the 21st century. So the question is, do you, what is your story? What's your why for what you do? Is it just to make money or do you believe do you genuinely believe that what you do provides a service and enhances and enriches the lives of people around you? So share your story with your clients. Share your story with your audiences. Share your story with your associates. That way they get to know you and to understand you beyond just providing a service or a product. Because you know what? As much as your clients and your audiences want to hear you, they really want to know you. And clients work now in relationships with individuals, not just with a company. They may say they work with XYZ insurance company or XYZ car dealership, but they work with you because they build a relationship with you. And That's one so way to maintain a relationship is to be able to relate to you and they relate to you when they hear your stories, when you share about your family, your kids, your lives. That bond you create connects you. The common connects. And when you do that well, you'll build lasting relationships and hopefully, you'll also build your business that way as well. Yes. Home run. Or no, I'm sorry, not home run. Goal. Uh, goal. <laughs> Mark, That's how can brilliant. we get in touch with you, man? If someone, someone hears you, they, 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 they just, they're, you know, they're inspired. How can they reach out to you and, and find out more about Mark Brown? Sure. My email is uh, mbrown, it's M-B-R-O-W-N, at southwesternconsulting.com. And the website to find me is Mark Brown, S-W-C, as in southwesternconsulting.com. So it's mbrown at southwesternconsulting.com is the, is the um, <clears throat> email address. And go to markbrownswc.com, M-A-R-K-B-R-O-W-N-S-W-C.com. My site is there. You can find out more about me. I'd love to come and influence your people and serve in some way what we do. Woo! Mark, you blew it up today, brother. Thank you so much for hanging with me and with the Sell Anywhere crowd. And um, guys, remember, if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. And your talent absolutely is not limited. Thank you, my friend, for joining us on the Sell Anywhere podcast, where if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. And your talent is not limited to your zip code. I want to tell you right now, just go into the show notes or go to thesalesclassroom.com and you're gonna find more. You're going to get that free home selling survival kit that we told you about, as well as other ways to interact directly with me, your host, Donnie Tuttle. And if you just wanna drop me a line, tell me that you like something or suggest someone for the show, find me on donnytuttle.com or go to my LinkedIn. I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. So great hanging with you and we will catch you on the flip side.